You're listening to What the Business, the business podcast where I interview independent business owners about success, failure, and all the moments in between. My name is Josie Berg, and I'm your host. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of What the Business. Today on the podcast, I have Lauren from Level Up with Lauren. She is a communication coach of all kinds, public speaking, leadership, uh, and just so much more confidence building, all that good stuff. This episode, we dive into all those topics plus so much more. I'm really, really excited for this episode because it's so good. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please subscribe, rate, and review, share it with all your friends, and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Today on the podcast, we have Lauren from Level Up with Lauren. She is a public speaking coach, uh, amongst many other things. So Lauren, why don't you introduce yourself and a bit of who you are and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Josie. So like Josie said, I'm a public speaking and communication coach. So I help my clients become compelling and captivating speakers and leaders. That's sort of like the tag in a nutshell. Um, and basically my goal is to help my clients become more confident. So a lot of my clients come to me and they either already work a job that requires a lot of communication, a lot of presentations, or they're looking to move up in their job. Right. Um, and they're looking to take on more of a management or leadership role. Um, and so I'm helping them find ease and comfort in, in their communication and presentation work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's super valuable. And I feel like that type of work is really applicable to business owners because sometimes you are in charge of other contractors or employers under underneath you, or you're just always kind of the boss, right? Even of yourself. So I feel like that's super applicable in all realms of even life to oh. personal personal life and whatnot. Um, so you started, so you're actually an actor as well. And that seems like it's kind of what you started doing. And I love that transition. I think like I did theater growing up, musical theater. Um, and a lot of the things I learned in theater, like they talk about in yoga now and yeah, they talk about when, you know, you're nervous, the way you should breathe. And I'm like, Oh, that's so funny. It's all the same. So I think it's super cool that um, this is kind of the transition you've taken, but what taken, but why don't you talk about kind of how you got here in your career and what led to this and your, just your story. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a weird sort of journey that got me here and definitely a little bit untraditional in terms of if you ask other communication coaches how they got to where they are, it's probably going to be a lot different than the steps that I took. But I agree with you. Acting teaches you a lot of life skills, right? So I like kind of joke with my clients about how no one else I know took like years of breathing training, right? Yeah. Like we just spent hours learning how to like breathe and how to articulate and we don't actually get that formal training. Adults don't get that. We don't get that in school. We don't get that in university. And I sort of had the privilege of learning all these really seemingly mundane things that I now look back at and I'm like, oh, wow, that was really important. And um, I'll sort of go back to how it all got started. I was interested in theater from a very young age and always loved acting. And I decided to sort of um, pursue it professionally when I went to university. So I, I went to um, Sheridan College and the University of Toronto, a joint program that they do for theater and drama studies. And I remember being in, you know, these classes, voice and text classes, where we had to do a lot of breathing exercises and articulation exercises. And at the time, I didn't really understand the importance of them. And I definitely didn't understand the connection of it all to acting. Like it all just felt very vague and abstract and strange. Um, and now I look back on it and I, and I see the value of this. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, in a, in a couple of ways, acting prepares you to be a good speaker. It teaches you awareness, right? So literally just being aware of other people, social cues and awareness of the way that you're feeling, right? Um, it teaches you a little bit of how to fake it till you make it, which mm -hmm. is, something I've used definitely, right, of, of just sort of taking on the role I want to take on or believing that I could take on the role I want to take on and then doing it. Um, 
So once I graduated from university, I started acting right away. And what I knew for sure was that I wanted the life of an actor, but I wasn't crazy about the instability of it all. And Mm -hmm. I didn't like waiting around for work. Like I didn't like that idea that I was constantly waiting around for an agent to call me up and say, you, you got a self tape. And so I wanted to have more control over my career. And I knew that I liked working with people. I had worked with kids for a really long time. I started the Richmond Hill performing arts center as, um, as a teacher there for theater. And so I had been working with children for a really long time doing theater. And once I graduated, I continued. Um, I moved on to start working at a company called Electric Moon Theater Company, where I was working with children in schools. I also work at Young People's Theater. I still work at both of these places um, online now because of the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Then what happened? I guess I sort of realized that a lot of the children that I was working with were using theater as a means to express themselves, develop confidence, um, gain communication skills and social skills, um, you know, expand imaginative play experience. Like all of these things that these kids were doing was helping them become just better. Like, you know, and I was seeing such growth in these kids from when I would start with them and they were shy and kind of withdrawn and maybe mm-hmm. not as confident. And then within a few months, it was like, I couldn't get them to stop talking and they were loud and energetic. And so I was seeing a major shift. And so I started offering private public speaking and theater classes for children, where I was sort of bridging the gap between my theater training and what I had learned and more formalized public speaking. So there was sort of a a bridging of this gap, I guess. And then I remember I put out an ad being like, this is what I do. I can see anyone. And I had like an influx of adults. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of made the transition to working with adults. It wasn't something I thought that adults need to help with. I was like, you have your life figured out. You know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yet I had seen tons of not such great speakers and tons of people who I, who I thought lacked confidence. But I, for some reason in my head, I was like, oh, adults wouldn't have this problem. It's really only kids that need to mm-hmm. develop their self-esteem. Um, so that was sort of how I got into <laughs> what I'm doing. And I, and I liked the idea that I was able to work with other people and get the fulfillment from working with other people. Um, and I wasn't just getting the fulfillment from the acting world. Cause I don't know, like if any actors are going to be listening to this, they know there's a lot of ups and downs and to rely on the high of that is just not sustainable. And so I liked the idea of being able to fill my time with helping other people and, using my skills to actually help as opposed Mm -hmm. to just tell stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great. So now you do, correct me if I'm wrong, you do one-on-one coaching. Yeah. So how did you start getting into one-on-one coaching specifically like getting clients that wanted to pay more for that really customized experience? Yeah, for sure. And definitely like there's been some growth with that as well. Like I started off at, at one sort of client pool with a certain client price. And then Mm -hmm. as things got bigger, I was able to sort of expand. Um, so the first thing I needed to consider is who my market is. And my market was already working professionals, professionals who had a job already, who were working, but just lacking that, like that little something that was going to make them feel comfortable and good. And, Um, at ease in work. So I knew that that was sort of like the target audience here. And so I had to figure out where are they looking? Mm -hmm. And I experimented with a lot. Like I experimented with like Kijiji and Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. And then I got to the Google ads and that was my like soft, like the, what do you call it? The, um, I don't know. That, that was where it was. Like that was where I was getting the bread and butter or whatever. (laughs) Um, I put up, you know, I invested in some Google ads and it was just like that. Like it was Mm -hmm. just, once I found what worked, it just kept growing. And so I started off, you know, kind of just seeing like, what can I do here? And then as my schedule started 
building, I had to sort of expand a little bit. I got a new website and um, I think a lot of it was through word of mouth, um, really strong testimonials. Cause I think it's kind of hard to encapsulate like what it is that I do. So testimonials are really key. Um, and something I also found that worked really well was complimentary consultations. Because again, yeah. it's really hard to book something when you don't know what you're getting, like when you don't know the product. So I wanted people to be able to have a conversation with me on the phone and tell me about themselves and ask me questions so that they can get a sense as to if this was something they wanted to pursue. And to be honest, it's worked every time. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't had one case where they booked the consultation, but then didn't go forward with at least one lesson. So the consultation was really key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think that's super valuable for any industry, but yeah, an industry most definitely like yours. That's a little bit less talked about, known about, you most definitely don't see ads like that very often or at all really. Um, You know, you see maybe like Tony Robbins confidence, but that's kind of a different thing. It's its own thing. And And there's Toastmasters, right? But that's sort of like group classes. So a lot of my clients will be like, should I do like this or Toastmasters? So all that's sort of out there in terms of resources of classes is Toastmasters. Um, There's not a whole lot of other options out there. Well, and that's pretty targeted to specifically public speak speaking you do as well, which I have a few questions later on of too about kind of the leadership building skills that you um, also work on. So that question was kind of a twofold question. It touches on what you did initially that got clients in the door versus now and kind of talk a little bit more about what you do now and that transition. It's just to kind of compare for people to see, you know, where, where you started and how you got people when you first decided to go forward with this and compared to now, once you've kind of established more because it does change over time. Yeah. Um, So my business is sort of, I call it like revolving door style. So there's no limit or maximum classes that you need to take. It's all built on your own schedule. Um, Something I knew moving forward was that package deals always made me feel pressured like as an artist, when someone was like, oh, you can have these acting classes, but you have to take eight. You know what I mean? Like that always made me feel uneasy because I was like, well, what if I decide I don't like it at the second, you know what I mean? So I always knew that I wanted to give them that freedom to come as they'd like, how often they'd like, whenever they'd like. Um, And so I guess I can talk about, you know, keeping those clients, right? Because it's one thing to get the clients for the first session, but Mm -hmm. it's another thing to keep them coming. Right. Um, so I think it's about constantly building new goals, right? Is there always is room for improvement? And I think a lot of my clients, that's the great thing about them is they are looking for self-growth and self-improvement, which I think I am too. Like we're all in the same boat in that regard. Um, yeah, for sure. So I think it's, I think it's really about finding new goals, new things to tackle, new projects, Um, you know, once we get to one step, right, it could be as simple as like for two months, we were just working on tackling eye contact. And now we're finally able to talk a little bit more about vocal variety. And so that is sort of how the voice fluctuates, right? So we keep coming back because there's always more room for growth. And I think, I hope also that our classes make my clients feel good. That was also my goals. I didn't want these classes to be something that my clients feel like they have to dread or like work towards. I wanted it to be a really almost like, I don't know if therapeutic is the right word, but very rewarding and um, encouraging experience. So when they come, I'm sure to ask a lot of questions, listen, be there as a support. And I think above all else, like we grow really strong relationships because public speaking is kind of this weird personal thing. Like it doesn't feel like it's that personal, but it is because it's, it's your communication style and like things come up and we start to talk about weird barriers that you've been facing and why you are kind of unconfident in certain situations. So I think above all else, it's about building relationships with the client and making sure that they trust you and knowing that you know, their coach is always going to be looking out for their best interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. 
Um, I think that is so important. And that is actually a really common thing that I've heard a lot this season is just really nourishing the relationships with your clients and taking care of them. And I think it's probably a bit more on people's brains because of COVID and just because, you know, their clients are in that much more stress and it makes you think a little bit more about even in regular times, like, okay, this is really important, but I love that answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk specifically about kind of the things you teach with um, your clients. So talk about some common mistakes people make when it comes to public speaking. I mean, even this applies even online now, if people are doing lives um, on Instagram or whatever, or kind of masterclass courses, things like that. Um, I feel like that's all kind of under the umbrella of public speaking. Yeah. And I honestly feel like I got more clients especially when the pandemic hit because people were having to make that transition to online and realizing like, Ooh, this is uncomfortable for me. (laughs) I don't know where to look. Like the most common question that I get asked is where do I look? Because Mm. I legitimately did have some clients like looking down and I'd be like, why are you looking down? And they're like, that's where my keyboard is. I'm like, okay, but the rest of the people, you know, are in front of you. Right. So just, it could be really weird to find authenticity and ease when it feels like you're talking into like a black hole. Like that is Mm -hmm. just a weird experience. So like one of the first things that we establish is eyeline because now, especially because all of my clients are seeing me online, we do have to discuss that, right? Like, where do you look? So it's not useful for you to have the person that you're talking to in the bottom right corner of your screen Mm-hmm. because then it appears like you're not making eye contact with them. So you, you want to place their face as close to the camera as possible so that it looks like you're actually looking at them. So like what you're doing right now. I was just going to say, how am I doing? <laughs> yeah, you're doing good. You're doing really, really great. So we always have to sort of chat about that. Um, with the Zoom world, weirdly posture has been um, a thing too. I think that a lot of people feel the need to like really reach out and connect to who they're speaking Mm. to. So like people can't see what I'm doing right now, but what I'm trying to do is like lean into the computer as if the computer will hear me better if I'm closer to it. Right. So we're, we're really like, um, what's it called? Uh, over, you know, compensating. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're overcompensating but actually the connection is quite strong and we don't actually need to lean in. And the problem with when we lean in is that we get tension. We get shoulder tension, neck tension. Also you look sort of uneasy, right? So the difference between a straight upright posture, Mm -hmm. right? Versus leaning into your computer as if you're trying to reach the person you're talking to has a big difference. So those are sort of the common things we've been talking about. Another thing is eye contact. So once you found the right place to look, are you making enough of a connection with that person or are you looking around your room? All humans have the tendency to look up or around when they're thinking. And I like to say that I prefer that you look at me and think of the next thing to say, hold Mm -hmm. that silence if you need to, as opposed to look away and drop that connection. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something we work on. And I think the biggest thing that I see is a lack of directness. Um, so how do I describe that? When someone's talking, it feels like they're talking without a purpose. So I always like to ask my clients, what is the intention or purpose behind you speaking? Like, what are you trying to do? And sometimes they'll say, well, I'm trying to tell them about this new technology. And I go, well, telling them about the new technology isn't necessarily very engaging, but sharing information or teaching them knowledge feels a lot more involved and active than to tell Mm -hmm. right and and it could feel a lot less involved and captivating right so the the goal always comes back to connecting with your audience and that's sort of the main thing that we will always be working on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that little perspective shift Mm -hmm. you know just from instead of thinking of it like 
yeah, talking to or talking at, thinking about it as a more inclusive thing because it is tricky online when you're, you know, it's your computer screen. And, you know, for me, like I have my questions to the left, so I'm kind of like always bouncing back and forth, but it is, so it is good to think about it more from that circle, circular space, because if you are in an office pitching something, you're going to naturally do that anyway, but the one-on-one on a computer is, it is a lot different or, you know, for an example, I know a lot of independent business owners are doing, yeah, lives on Instagram and it, it yeah, it can feel like you're talking into a big, <laughs> I don't know, abyss of people. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think, I think what you said about like it being a perspective shift is exactly right. And I'll, and I'll actually get my clients to say out loud verbally, what their intention is. Cause I find like putting it into the space is really important. So I'll actually say like, what is your intention here? And I challenge them to find a verb that is active as opposed to passive and mm-hmm. phrase it as I am blank to my audience, like involve your audience in that mm-hmm. intention, whether it's a, you know, a person, two people or a room of 400 people, um, which some of my clients, do you on a regular basis? Right. So mm-hmm. I think just learning to shift your perspective is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, and that actually answers my second question. So that's just a great answer all around. Um, what's one tip for people to boost their confidence? Because I mean, that especially online can be challenging you where it, wherever you are online, it can be challenging because there's I think when you're nervous for something like that, presenting, being around potential clients, consultations, things like that make people nervous. But when you're there in person, you kind of have to, okay, take a deep breath, go in there, head held high. It, it kind of forces you to just show up a little bit more robustly than online because you're at home, you're in the space, you're relaxed in, all those things change how you show up. So what are your uh, tips for confidence? Yeah, that's a good question. And I feel like I'm constantly trying to find answers to that. I'm like, what does make someone confident? Um, and I'm, I am still, I'm on the constant quest for figuring that out. You know, um, one of the things I really do lean on is recognizing the skills and positive qualities in my clients. So one of the first things I make them do, like on the first day is I'll say, what are you most proud of? Or what skills do you love most about yourself? And it'll take them, you know, a few seconds. They'll be like, well, and you know, they might even say like, they'll say something that they're bad at. And I'm like, no, 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 something you do that, <laughs> right? They'll be like, well, I'm okay at this, but I do really need to still be better at it. I'm like, okay, but what are the things that you're actually really good at? And you'll find things like patience, empathy, um, charisma, love right? Non-judgment, right? Like all these wonderful things. And I'm like, okay, that's what we need to lean on. So it's recognizing your qualities and your strengths and leaning on them a little bit more and not being afraid of them or um, pushing them down. I have so many clients say like, well, I'm funny, but isn't that unprofessional? Like, yeah, if you crack an unprofessional joke, but using humor and levity is not a bad thing. Like you should use that to your advantage. Mm -hmm. If you're a really empathetic and compassionate person, you know, that's a wonderful thing. You should do that. I always recommend too, in terms of, especially with like working online, I recommend a sort of like post or sorry, pre and post, um, warm up slash cool down. So I equate it to how a athlete has to warm up before they go out and play a game or an actor, you know, I've always do a little warm up facial. Uh, my fellow actors will know what this is, but like, you know, facial massages and a stretch and whatever, but it's something to not only get my body ready to perform, but get me mentally in the zone, right. To shift my mindset and tell my body and mind that it is now time to act. So I recommend the same thing for my clients and it looks really different for everyone, but whatever you can do in the five to 10 minutes prior, that's going to make you feel top notch. So for some of my clients that are like, I need a chamomile tea, I need to pet my cat and I need to listen to some classical music. 
Great. If that's a thing that is going to make you feel grounded and whole, that's what you should be doing 10 minutes to before your presentation or big meeting, not checking your work emails, not cleaning your house in the 10 minutes you have, right? Like you should be signaling to your body and mind that it's time to do work. Similarly, once you're done, we have the tendency to be like, oh my God, I could have done this better or, oh, I should have done this or I said this and I sounded so stupid. While we can be critical of our work, we shouldn't be judgmental, right? So, so mm -hmm. there's a difference. So same process of, you know, warming up is that cool down. What do you need to release tension? Maybe it's a stretch. Maybe it's going out on the porch for a few minutes, right? And, um, and I'd say just reflecting on what you did do as opposed to what you didn't accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That's super important in all aspects of life. Um, yeah. it's really easy to be way too critical of yourself. So most yeah, definitely sure. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think that's great because I have, I mean, I have many examples, but one in particular is I, for a while was struggling with sleep and I was talking to my therapist about it and she was like, well, you know, your brain associates your bed with what you're doing in bed. Yes. So if you are on your phone reading, if you work from your bed, get your laptop out and do stuff from your bed, your brain isn't going to associate that space with sleeping. So when you go to sleep, it doesn't necessarily mean that your brain thinks you're about to sleep and it's like, okay, time to shut down. Mm -hmm. So she told me if I'm awake at night to actually get up, leave bed and just go read or do something somewhere else in the house until I'm tired and ready to right. try going back to sleep. And that helped so much. So within one night, I was back on track to having good right. sleeps. And I think that goes hand in hand with what we were talking about just with creating those associations with what you're about to do. And that can be work, like starting your day the same every single day. Many people have kind of structured morning routines. That's one really simple way, but I like kind of narrowing it down to the specific task you're about to do. So yeah, public speaking or like a podcast interview for me, for sure. Stuff like that, really training your brain. That's really yeah. smart. And, and that's sort of my goals, like to give you that one little tip or trick that's going to help or somewhat help or help just a little bit. Like if that's all we get out of our one hour is that's what's stuck. Like I'm, I'm very happy. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's great. Um, so you also mentioned going back to one of your first points is you get people to tell you something they're proud of, um, for, to help build their confidence. So say a listener's listening right now and chooses to write down one or two or more things they're proud of in themselves. What can they do with that to translate into confidence going forward in their day? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'd find opportunities to use those skills. So if you know that you are, you know, really a great listener, find more opportunities to listen. Doing things that we're good at makes us feel good, right? Mm -hmm. And being appreciated for those skills also makes us feel good. Um, I think it's also important to check in with yourself, you know, even after a hard day and recognize those things that you're good at and ask, for example, did I listen? Was I empathetic? Was I strong? Yes. Okay. Right. And mm -hmm. it's that simple sort of check-in. Yeah. 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 I really like that. That's super valuable. And that's great for everyone in their personal life too, not even relating to work. I think we all, yeah, that's the thing. There's, there's definitely a lot of like crossover with personal life too. A lot of clients are like, Hey, this really works for when this happens. I'm like, yeah, that's the thing is a lot of this stuff that we're learning is applicable to your personal life too. So it should feel like, you know, it's not only helping you in work, but it is helping you just become a more mindful and confident person. I think something you said about like, how do you enact confidence sort of on a daily basis and something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is the language that we use to speak about ourselves. I think that that's really important. And I'm definitely bad at this too. Like, I don't think anyone is like, I speak to myself so kindly. I'm so good to myself. Like we all do it. Right. But it mm -hmm. is something that I'm trying to be really aware of because, um, 
I have clients who can just like bash on themselves. And I think it's important to be cognizant of that. So for example, like I have one client who apologizes a lot or one client who uses like very self-deprecating jokes to describe their failures or perceived failures. Mm -hmm. Being really careful. I always say to my clients, like in the hour that we're together, try not to just Mm -hmm. see what happens. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like the little things too, I think. Yeah, for sure. I actually just finished reading a book and it has nothing to do with confidence at all. It's, it's actually called almost anorexic and it's about disordered eating and how we all have, I mean, not we all, but many people have kind of really, really poor and, um, unhealthy relationships with their bodies and food and stuff like that. And one thing they talk about in it kind of towards the end of the book, it's a great book. I would recommend it for anyone and everyone. It's just super eye opening. Um, one thing they say is if you struggle with talking positively to yourself, just stand in front of the mirror and just like talk neutral. Say, oh yeah, my eyebrows are, they're there. Oh yeah, no, they're good. They're pretty even shaped, size, cool. How about my nose? Yeah, oh yeah, it looks pretty good today. How about that? And just totally neutral. Like, I mean, that was positive. It doesn't have to be that. You can say, oh, my hair is about this long and it's brown with a slight hint of red. Right. That's it. And just start doing that a little bit more often. I mean, for people, if they're looking to translate it into their business, it can be just neutral things about how you run your business, not even, you know, your body, but just to start getting yourself comfortable with just recognizing things as they are, not with any kind of association negatively or positively, just having the facts laid out in front of you. And I thought that was really interesting. And I actually started doing it and I'm like, oh, wow, that actually really does help because it just makes you realize how ridiculous some of your negative self-talk is. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're our own worst critics. Like we really, really are. And I think that people who are, who strive for self-growth are particularly more critical. Like I always find my clients, if you're going out of your way to become a better public speaker, you're already a very specific kind of person. Like, wouldn't you agree? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you're already looking to improve that part of your life to, to me, you're already sort of in a category of like really just striving for, for being great. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of the people I work with just are very hard on themselves as am I, you know, I think artists are hard on themselves. I think business owners are. And another thing that I learned, and this is more just like a mindfulness sort of tip that I've been trying to channel a little bit more is speak to yourself as you would a good friend. Mm -hmm. Like you would never say to a good friend, like you did a really bad job. You suck. Right. Like you'd really be like, you know, I know you don't feel great about it, but I know that you're going to do better next time and Mm -hmm. everything, you know, like, so I thought that that was a really nice tip too, for building Mm -hmm. more self-compassion and more resilience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My partner's really good at if I'm thinking, oh, that was horrible. I can't believe it. He'll really, really dissect me. Why? What happened? Tell me more. Okay. But what could you have done better? And once we kind of have those conversations and you can do this with yourself, just just getting in the habit of it, maybe taking notes after you do a speaking event or a consultation or your, whatever your job is, even for me as a wedding photographer, you know, after I come home from the wedding, Mm -hmm. just really dissecting what they are. Cause sometimes you'll realize oh, you know, that was probably just the mood of the day or, oh, you know, that, that wasn't in my control. Yeah. It sucked, but okay. I can accept it. Or, oh yeah, this was poorly done. I absolutely can improve next time. I'm going to go forward thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, for example, I had a session like what, way back when I first moved to Ontario, just for my portfolio. And I showed my mom and she was like, Josie, you took like no pictures of the guy. All of these are focused on the girl. Like, you know, there's a couple photos and then there's a couple photos where you're just focusing on the female's face and not, not the other partner's face. And I was like, okay, that's great criticism because now I can go forward thinking about that and actually applying a different set of kind of skills and techniques to make sure I'm not doing that again. So it's about learning from those bad moments 
that can be learned from and then letting everything else that's bad go because there's no point dwelling. (laughs) It's all, it's all like a necessary part of it, right? Like you're not going to get a hundred percent every time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it hurts to get that feedback of like, you didn't hit the mark, but ultimately it's all, all, you know, leading you in the right direction. Where are you from? I'm from Calgary. Oh, you're from Calgary. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I moved here four, I want to say four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talking a little bit more about your leadership training and just kind of talk about what that's like, what kind of things you notice and habits people fall into because being a leader is applicable everywhere in your life. And a lot of the listeners are independent business owners. So, you know, they might have a contractor underneath them every once in a while and just having some core leadership skills can be, I think, probably really beneficial. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are some of my clients who are new to a management or leadership position. So it's something they're just not as used to, or they're now working with people who are at a different level. So they feel maybe a little bit intimidated or they get flustered. I've had so many clients like say that when they're in front of certain people, they have like blackout moments because they just get so nervous and self-conscious about Mm -hmm. what they're saying that it's like they could have prepared, but you know, now that they're making eye contact with these people, it's like everything is just gone. Right. So it could be that they're moving up and they're not used to working with these people, but it's also that they haven't had the training that they need to speak in an authoritative and assertive manner. And I find that the common theme, or at least in my experience, is that people are worried about coming off as harsh or mean or any of those other like negative things that I guess a boss could be bossy. Um, And so they go the opposite direction. They become incredibly nice And that's a great thing, you know, but I I guess what I'm trying to say is that being assertive and being kind are not mutually exclusive, but we seem to think that it is. Mm -hmm. And so I always explain to my clients that there's a different tone and embodiment that you're taking on when you are becoming a leader. People look up to you and you want them to listen to you, right? But if you're lacking that assertiveness, people will find their way to get around you or push you over, right? And it's also not a great feeling. It's not a great feeling to not be in control or to feel like you're not able to command a room. Like that's just not a fun feeling. So a lot of it is being able to step into that and I think just find a balance between, you know, kindness and assertiveness. It's finding that balance. I do, on the other hand, have some clients who are actually, I think, so self-conscious that they become, they come off as a little bit mean or a little Mm -hmm. bit potentially like cold, Mm -hmm. right? But that's not their intention. It's just that they're nervous and they're thinking really hard. And so Mm -hmm. they kind of have a very specific, like thinking face and they hold tension in their eyebrows and right. So it's, it's one or the other, right. That, that they're too afraid to take up space and say what they want and what they need, or their sort of habits are getting in the way from people communicating freely with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all, or many have probably had a boss at one point that was either one of those. I immediately thought of a couple actually, when you were describing the kind of different sides of the scale, Um, but yeah, the balance is really, I mean, there's a sweet spot there for everyone in the middle. So what are just some like quick tips for people to kind of take away or think about, um, when it comes to leadership? Yeah. Um, couple things. I think I'd say, be very, um, aware of your body language, watch for tension in places, right? We all have the tendency to hold tension in different places. So just be aware of where you hold tension, whether it's like I mentioned in your eyebrows or your jaw or your neck or your shoulders, you want to take on a position where you feel grounded and strong, but people also perceive you as grounded and strong. So it's, it's a little bit about there. So I I would say, be aware of that. Um, I would also be careful about the kind of language you, you use, right. And be really cognizant about, about how you say things. 
Um, so for example, like there's a couple of just like tips that I can throw at you if, if you're looking to solve a conflict or there's a problem, as opposed to going, you need to do this, you can go, we need to do this, speaking as a team, right? As mm-hmm. opposed to putting something on someone else. Um, another tip, for example, I have a lot of clients who do this. They say, for example, unfortunately, I might have to do this if you don't do that. And all that, all that language is taking away from your strength. For example, saying things like, unfortunately, if that happens, commenting on it, getting personal about it, right? As opposed to just saying, if A happens, B will happen, right? So taking out some of that language that puts any sort of personal opinion into the mix, right? If you say, unfortunately, I will have no choice but to do this, I'm now going yeah, you do. You definitely do have some choice or like you said, unfortunately, so obviously you feel bad for me. Right. So just sort of stating things as facts, kind of like that thing you talked about with the hair, like this is my hair. It is this length speaking about things as facts and not in putting your own sort of personal opinion on things and leaving room for people to go in and find ways out. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be a good tip. And yeah, I think I would generally just say like, if you're a kind person and you know you're a good person, you don't have to be afraid of being a bad person. Mm-hmm. No one thinks you're a bad person. Yeah. So you don't have to be afraid of that. I've had to say that so many times. Mm-hmm. I just feel like for anyone who needs to hear that, you're not a bad person. That's a, that's okay. You're just doing your job. So I think just knowing that and being able to fall back on that fact that you mm-hmm. are a good person with hopefully a decent heart. And yeah. that's what it all comes down to. Yeah, for sure. No, that's great. And I've heard too, that sometimes just asking questions, you know, if someone did something wrong and you have to kind of, you know, your boss is telling you, you have to do this thing, just being like, Hey, what, what do you want to do to fix this? Instead of being like, you need to fix this, yeah. you know, kind of opening that conversation. I've heard that that is yeah. good. Yeah, that is. That's a great one. So that's key for conflict resolution. So when something comes up and something's wrong, the first thing you want to do is ask some questions, right? So instead of saying like, I heard that you did this, you're going to want to kind of introduce the topic. So you kind of start with being like, hey, how's everything going? How are you finding your tasks? Is, you know, is there anything you wanted to talk about? And then you can kind of go into more specifics. How was that last project that you had to do for Amy last week? Did you do this or did you do that? So coming in with questions and then once they, you know, talk about it, then absolutely right. Finding some solutions together. Okay, well, we could proceed this way or we can also proceed that way. Right. And ending it off with, let me know if there's anything that I can do to help you. Right. Or let me know if there's anything I can do to support you with this. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're absolutely right. Questions are key. Okay. That's good. That's great to know. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to switch a bit up, switch it up a bit here um, and talk kind of going back, diving deeper into you and your business. Um, What are some marketing tips, tricks, tools um, that you use that work for you and your business right now? Yeah. Um, I think if you're a service, like especially someone who's like a coach and I listened to a podcast with another uh, coach that you interviewed. So again, if it's like a product that you can't see, I think it's, I think video is really important. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a coach or something, we need a video of you so that we can see you because people are going to choose you based on whether they like you or not. Right. You know what I mean? Like I've had so many people be like, I just vibed with you or I felt like we'd get along. Right. Cause that's what it's really about is finding someone who you could talk with and trust and all those things. So I think videos, any audio material where you can hear the person talk, how they interact, how they move. Um, so for a service like mine, I think that's important, but I think like, even if you were a makeup artist or something like that, like having a video where you talk to the camera and tell them about your process and, and then, you know, you see you in action. I'm maybe you have that right. Where you kind of like see you working in action. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really wonderful thing. Um, and I would say capitalizing on your own 
personality. That was something that I learned a lot in theater school, actually. Like, again, something that a lot of actors will know about is finding your hit, which is basically like your bread and butter. Like in a nutshell, who are you? When I look at you, what do I see? And when other people look at you, what do you want them to get? And I think doing that sort of like branding exercise of like, who is Lauren in a nutshell? Let's make sure that that comes up in all the marketing material. Um, and that's yeah. something I'm still figuring out. Like, I, I think I definitely have it better in my acting side, actually. And so I'm still figuring that out. But I think for business owners, really developing, like, what, what kind of person are you? What kind of stories you want to sell? Um, but yeah, I think just videos, audio, and pictures are really wonderful. I mean, pictures sound obvious, but mm -hmm. good quality pictures too, right? Mm -hmm. Not, like invest yeah. in proper materials, right? Go yeah. get headshots or, or go get some photographs, right? Like get, get the proper materials that you need. Yeah, for sure. No, those are all really great tips. I think, I mean, you even hit it on, hit the head of the nail. I don't know. Hit the nail. Yeah. Up. yeah with the hammer, <laughs> the yeah. thing, the thing you yes. did with saying story, because it really is about you, your business, your story, what is that? And just showing that and bringing that to light. Cause it is true. People will totally hire you over competition. If they feel like they know you a little bit better or they connect with you a little bit better and that you just have to start somewhere. So start with you as a person, mm -hmm. but, but it, it is a, the door is never closed. Like it's always going to be transitioning because you as a person change and evolve and your business is going to adjust. So over time, you're just always going to be kind of relearning how to reinstate who you yeah. are. Online. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I change like every day. So <laughs> I'm just trying to like figure out what that is and, and adjust as I go. Mm -hmm, for sure. No, I love that. Um, I always say work smarter, not harder. Mm. What are you doing in your business right now to work smart? That's a great question. Um, so, okay. Um, something I've also been thinking about, and I think the pandemic has made us collectively think about this, is we sort of took a pause at the beginning of this and we, we realized how fast we were moving, right? And I think we live in a culture where productivity is valued over a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And I am trying to combat that on a regular basis and find more balance. Because as you mentioned, like I am an actor, I also teach theater to kids still. And, you know, it's between like today I did a bunch of self tapes and, and then you have shoots coming up and whatever and finding balance. And so I have to figure out for myself, how am I going to keep this business going and uphold it when potentially things are more busy in my acting life, right? Like life sort of ebbs and flows and I sort mm -hmm. of have to figure out how to balance all of it. So something I've been considering as I'm finding my schedule is, is really building up is I'm figuring out how to expand in a way, but not limit or not increase my hours, I should say. Mm -hmm. So for example, in the future, sort of uh, in terms of long-term goals, I'd like to hire on more coaches so that it's not only me who's seeing all these people because at a certain point I, I, I don't haven't enough hours in the day. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I would love to expand and potentially have more teachers and something I'm also looking to do. And I, I haven't done it yet, but I would like to delve into the idea of group classes or group seminars. I did one over the pandemic. I enjoyed it. And so that's something I'm looking to do too, so that I can reach more people, mm -hmm. right? Which would be really nice too. Um, so those are sort of the things that I'm thinking to do to expand the business while still balancing the rest of all my other mm -hmm. loves. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and do you outsource anything in your business? Not yet. In the future, coaches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to, right? Like mm -hmm. I've really thought about it, an admin assistant um, mm -hmm. because I do find that part of my day is just emails, 
Like it, mm -hmm. it's just so many emails and connecting with people. Um, so it is something I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, definitely on the horizon, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's good still. And good to just be thinking about it and weighing yeah. options. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Um, so this is my favorite question. What's one thing that has leveled up your business? Haha, -ha, I'm level up with Lauren. <laughs> it's true. Wow. I think probably the video. I was talking about like the, the power of like videos and audio mm -hmm. material. Um, and I put together, I, I actually, I want to invest in something better, but I put together a video of me working with my clients, like just sort of, you can't really hear them talking. It's just, um, it's, it's voiceover with me talking and then my clients interacting with me. And once I had that video, I feel like people were finally able to understand who I am because a picture sometimes is not enough. Right. So once I had the professional website and that video, things seem to work a lot better. And I think sometimes things just take time. Like at the beginning, I was like, am I useful? Am I helping people? Why do people keep coming back to me? Like I couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes positive feedback also really helps. Like I can't tell you how much it means when a client says to me, like, you've really changed the way I think, or I'm nowhere near as scared as I used to be about speaking in front of other people. Like that validation for me has been a game changer. So I don't know if that's helpful in terms of like other business owners, but I would say like, just give things time. If people mm -hmm. are coming and coming back, that's pretty awesome. Like that, that is validation enough. You don't need to question if you're good enough or why you're in business. If you have customers, you must be doing something right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no, totally. That's great. That validation is really life-changing. <laughs> I yeah. can get it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that answer. Any finishing tips um, to leave the people with? It could be on yeah, public speaking, coaching, um, leadership, or just general business tips, thoughts to finish? Mm -hmm. I think I'd say if you think that you're good at something, go for it. See what happens. So I guess my advice is if there's something you can do and you think that you're good at, try it. Because mm -hmm. you, if you think you're good at it, you're probably good at it. So just do it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's great. A great little ending piece. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I'll make sure to put your links below in the show notes. So everyone listening can um, go see more about you and your, your work and your coaching and all, all that you do. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening in. Remember to check us out on Instagram at what the business podcast. See you at the next episode.